0: I'm Alan
1: Hart, and this is Marketing Today. This week's audio comes from Marketing Today live event that was recorded in November. And the first interview here is with Jake Sarfman. He's the CMO at Pendo. And I'm actually going to do an intro a little bit later in the audio at the event, which you'll get to hear a little bit more about Jake, but a little bit about Pendo. Pendo in October of 2019 became a newly minted unicorn, meaning they had a valuation over $1 billion and had recently had an injection of funding of another $100 million. And that's, I think, in total, their fundraising in total is somewhere around $200, $220 million overall at this point. So you'll hear a lot about Pendo and what Pendo's up to, but also hear from Jake as well and how he thinks about marketing at the scale and growth rate that Pendo is is on track with. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and live recording with Jake Saurfman. Well, I want to welcome Jake Saurfman. Jake is the CMO. That stands for Chief Marketing Officer. Correct. Not Chief Medical Officer. That's right. Okay. At Pendo.
0: Found that out the hard way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did you try to
0: operate on no. somebody? But I have gotten job I have gotten job opportunities as a CMO chief medical officer. I always find that pretty funny. I'm not qualified
1: Uh, at all. I would would not want you operating on me, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So Pendo, a product cloud that helps digital product teams and application owners deliver software experiences that users love. Before Pendo, Jake was the VP and chief of research at Gartner. And I actually, I think we met when you spoke at an event we were at. You were doing a debate with somebody. Yeah. And I was like, if I can ever have a podcast with this guy, I'm going to do it. He'll probably overrun me tonight, but that's okay. <laughs> so uh, you've studied marketing. You've researched marketing. You've produced reports on marketing. And prior to that, you spent 16 years in marketing leadership roles with venture-backed software companies. Correct. That's me. That's you. Yeah. Now, the most important question of tonight, if anyone here locally is uh, focused on the news, is... Pendo is now a unicorn company.
0: Apparently, yeah.
1: So what does it feel like to be the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, of a unicorn company with a billion-dollar valuation?
0: It's actually kind of complicated. It feels great. I mean, I'm not going to be coy about it. It does feel great. It feels like an achievement, and we're proud of it. But it really wasn't the goal. Like, our goal is to build a billion-dollar revenue company and, you know, a company that has lasting, sort of enduring value in a community and creates lots of jobs and delivers value to customers. And, you know, that is really what we're motivated by. And I think that, you know, achieving that milestone is is certainly exciting and fun, but it's not, it's not like we're celebrating in part because it's freighted with expectation. It comes with a tremendous amount of accountability. And if anything, it just motivates us to work harder. What do you do with the $100 million? Where does that go? That's a damn good question. <laughs> so we didn't raise money because we needed it. We're growing the business uh, in a responsible way. At the same time, this is a really hot market that we've entered, and it is a bit of a land grab. You know, We're starting to see a fair amount of competition. The problem that we're solving is unmet, high value. We've had some su- success participating in this market is attracting new entrants. And that means that in order to continue to fuel our growth and sustain this momentum, we need to be well capitalized, and, and we are. That's not to say that we're going out and buying Super Bowl ads anytime soon, but it does give us some optionality around certain bets that we can make and the ability to invest ahead of need in anticipation of scale and also to lean into brand.
1: So for those of people, and frankly, I wasn't 100% sure what Pendo did before I reached out to you. Yeah. But I think I've got it right in the the fact that you're kind of like Google Analytics for apps plus some messaging, like in-app messaging that's going on and, and some sort of communication loop that's going on. Do I have it right?
0: You're in the right neighborhood. The way I think about Pendo is we're an integrated set of tools that help digital product teams make better decisions and create better experiences in web and mobile apps. And the way we do that is through a combination of product analytics That help companies to understand how users are and aren't engaging with features, how they're journeying through the application. We collect things like NPS score and CSAT and customer effort score to understand how they feel about the experience. And then we activate those insights inside the application through things like in-app messaging and guides and tooltips to help shape behavior, to onboard new users, to announce and train users on how to get value from new features and then ultimately through an acquisition that we made earlier this year to collect feedback, to understand where are the gaps in this product based on what users want. And then importantly, to prioritize those gaps based on their, their impact to the business.
1: So who's using the product?
0: So it's uh, digital product teams. We sell primarily to digital product management teams within a combination of really three different sectors. The first are B2B SaaS companies, so large companies like Marketo and Coupa and Atlassian and companies like that, and then also smaller, lesser-known companies. We also sell to digital enterprises, which are companies that look and act a whole lot like SaaS companies like Realtor.com, Glassdoor, Instacart. So they're sort of built like a SaaS company, but they don't really build software for a living. And then finally, traditional enterprises on the digital platform side. These are companies that are going through a digital transformation and building a lot of custom software that they need to get more value from.
1: Got it. I mean, you've got kind of like a who's who of logos on your website. I don't remember them all, but there are a lot of consumer brands as well that have, I guess, apps that we would all be using.
0: Well, look, I think every company at this point is a software company, and and that's the investment thesis behind Pendo. When I was first talking to the founders of Pendo, three years ago or something. I always was a believer in the team because I knew them from before. And I was a believer in what they were doing because they were proving it out of the market. But the one question that I always asked was, is this bigger than the SaaS market? Because I've had experience selling to SaaS companies. It's not always easy. And the real total addressable market that is interesting is well beyond software companies. And it turns out that that thesis is has really proven itself out. When I joined two and a half years ago, we were, I'd say our revenue split was probably 90-10, SaaS companies to enterprise, and today it's 50-50.
1: Wow, a lot more need for experience. Yeah. And experience management, I guess, inside the apps. 100%. Interesting. So what does marketing at Pendo look like? We've got a lot of marketers here, so I'm curious.
0: So what's it look like? like? We're a team of 30, 32 people, something like that. And a lot of the things we do, probably look a lot like what you'd expect. So we invest pretty heavily in digital, SEM, display retargeting, ABM, all those things. We pay that tax, it works. (laughs) We can measure the ROI, it tends to serve us well. We are pretty heavy on events, I think which is often a surprise to people. They are ROI positive for us, they're great for our brand. We execute about 100 events a year, which is a really heavy lift and it's a combination of events that we produce and events that we sponsor. So we have an annual user conference in Raleigh called Pandemonium, we just had it in September, which was super fun. And then we do a large-ish conference in San Francisco called Product Craft and we do regional events all over the world.
1: You said events are ROI positive for you. How are you measuring that? They're not all ROI positive. Um, I'm sure, but in general, the macro.
0: Well, it's a combination of attributable revenue, and the less measurable part of it, which is why I say they're not all ROI positive, is is brand lift. And there are events that are just part of our ecosystem, part of our community, and we want to show up the right way. So even though we might be upside down from a traditional ROI calculation, Right. We know that it's the right thing to do in building our brand and serving our community.
1: As we talk about ROI, and you bridge between Silicon Valley and RDU, or Raleigh-Durham area.
0: Yeah, um, we for have- those that are
1: listening. We're,
0: we're headquartered in, in Raleigh, in downtown right. Raleigh. And we have about a 280 people there, I believe. Yeah. And then we have five other offices, San Francisco, New York, London, Sheffield, England, and Tel Aviv.
1: Nice. And so I think Silicon Valley and the Bay Area in particular has made a lot of the companies coming out of there have made a big push towards performance marketing. Yeah. Almost to exhaustion, potentially. Totally. In in my opinion. Yeah. So I'm curious where you come down on performance marketing and brand marketing and the two combinations of those.
0: I love that question. It's it's an important question, and and I have strong opinions on the importance of brand. And that's not to say that you can invest in brand at the expense of performance marketing. If we're not showing attributable impact from a revenue perspective, I'm no longer employed. Like that's what keeps the lights on. That's what earns us the right to do some of the fun stuff that's more forward looking in investing in our brand. One of my colleagues, a VP of my team, is a guy named Joe Chernoff who. As a super smart and insightful guy. And he said recently that demand marketing without brand marketing is like strip mining. So you're essentially, you're getting the sugar high, but you're depleting the value of the underlying resource. So there needs to be a balance. We've actually made adjustments in our team to ensure that we've bifurcated our budget between brand and demand. So there isn't a fight over resources because guess what? In the fight over resources, which side of that battle is going to yield? Right? right? It's always going to be demand. So we're trying to ensure that we're thinking strategically about brand and, and being um, pretty aggressive and judicious in how we think about investing there.
1: Is there anything you would advise or tips or things to think about that you would suggest other fast company fast growth company marketers should be cognizant of?
0: Yeah, I think one of the lessons for me has been, like, we're a different company every quarter. We feel like a different company just based on the pace of growth. So always be looking a couple horizons out in terms of what that need is going to be and invest in people and process and infrastructure in support of the company that you're going to become, because in the absence of that, you might find yourself flat-footed when the growth hits you.
1: Give us a sense of, I mean, you've been growing at a fast clip, but just to give us a sense of like rate, you know, you can use people or I mean, as we've gotten
0: larger, the, the multiples change. Right. But we were, our path is sort of the, I always thought this was a clever way of thinking about it. It's triple, triple, double, double, double. And that's the five-year path to $100 million in ARR. So we did our triples, and we did our double, and we're on our second double. Wow.
1: That's fast. So how can we make marketing more valuable? That's a good question. I mean, I talk to, I interview a lot of executives, and it's the one thing question I think in secret they still whisper about right is yeah. that I have a hard time justifying my existence in some cases yeah others less so I'm not saying you do but marketing as a function inside of a company is valuable but how do we how do we make it more valuable
0: it's a really good question and I think it's circumstantial to every company in every situation in the sense that like I can't think of a I mean, it sounds like a special hell to join a company where the, the executive team is not a believer in marketing, right? <laughs> right. I yeah. wouldn't want to be part it of happens, that. It happens, though. It does happen. Yeah. I happen to not be in that circumstance. Right. And it's one of the things that attracted me to Pendo is I, I knew that Todd, our CEO, and, and the rest of the founders and our investors they wanted to make, take big swings and they wanted to think, be bold and audacious and not audacious in an arrogant way, but audacious and, 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 you know, really thinking big about the opportunity. And that meant that we had to build a brand and that we had to really make marketing a priority. So that's point number one is getting that alignment right from out of the gate. Point number two, we sort of talked about a little bit, which is closing the loop on ROI, like being able to be articulate about what isn't and isn't driving impact in your business and to show attributable impact on revenue. So marketing is ultimately a revenue engine for the business. And in the absence of that, good luck. And then the third thing is, what is the third thing? There's got to be a third. Um. (laughs) You started with three. Make it up. No, yeah, I don't I'll, make, know. I'll, make, I'll just make it up. <laughs> the third thing is showing up with data, even when it's, you know, you have to squint to see the correlation. You gain a lot of credibility by thinking about the narrative from the perspective of the data you can get to. I think that's really important. And then I'm just going to throw in a bonus one. Yeah because it's it's top of mind uh, from recent conversations with our CEO is he said to me recently, I get it and thank you for focusing on the funnel metrics, but that's not the only thing I value about marketing. So the way our brand shows up out in the wild, the way we tell our story, the experiences that our customers have at our user conferences, that's the sort of the intangible that you can kind of feel and you know, and you see it hard to measure, but it's a big part of what we do. And it sounds kind of old school, but I, I think that that's also a big part of the calculus.
1: How how often are you having these marketing conversations at the executive table, like saying, this is what we're doing, this is the plan, doing those check-ins, if you will? Because I think that makes a big difference.
0: Yeah, I think it does. I mean, we, we're not daily, weekly. Yeah. yeah. So as a C team, we, often for, yeah, for we, meet, we, yeah. we meet weekly and we do quarterly planning where all these topics come up. And I think it's also important to ensure that marketing is not executing in and independent of the business itself. That sounds like an obvious statement, but I think it's easy for marketers to feel like they're driving. They're not. I think the best marketing is actually being driven by the priorities set by the business and a vision set by the CEO. It rolls down, not up.
1: It's good advice. So I think we met, like I said, around a dinner table. And the conversation, if I remember appropriately, was the state of talent. I think we were specifically talking in the local market here in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area. But in general, I'm finding that the marketing talent is spotty. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you think about it, what you're doing to find good talent, but I would love to hear about how you're attracting the right people, especially knowing you're adding a lot of people.
0: Yeah. So we set a high bar. We want to hire great people. And I'm a sucker for passion and curiosity, finding people who are really driven by something more than a paycheck and a job, who just really want to be part of building something. And you can find those people everywhere. We've found incredible, really, really talented, creative people here in Raleigh. And we've also hired elsewhere. So I just look for where the people are. And my team's distributed. I don't have a single direct report in Raleigh. (laughs) <laughs> which is crazy. That is crazy. I have three VPs and a senior director who report to me, and one is in San Francisco. Two are in San Francisco, pardon me. One is in Boston, and one is in London.
1: We've got the world covered.
0: Yeah, and the interesting thing about that is that it requires that I'm extremely disciplined about how I communicate with the rest of the team because I can actually get in the way.
1: Yeah, you can bifurcate. I sit next to them. Yeah, right. That's, it's got to be tricky.
0: It's a learned skill. Yeah. It's a discipline. You meditate? Daily. <laughs>
1: Well, good. Any last tips for CMOs? They may not be as fast a growth business as you're in, but just curious if there's anything that comes to mind in terms of what's helped you be successful. Because like I said, you've been in many different roles and many different marketing leadership roles over the years. Anything you'd like to add? Yeah.
0: I mean, one of the things that we're really proud of that we've done as a team is we rolled out a, we could describe it as a destination editorial site called Product Craft. A couple of years ago. And we treated it with really an editorial mandate. And the idea was to contribute something of value to our ecosystem and to really live by an editorial mandate of objectivity, not some high minded ideal like we're truly journalists. We're not. But we're not using it as a way to directly or indirectly flog Pendo, sell chill for us. We don't even mention us. And that's sort of this. Discipline that we've invested in that's required a lot of hard work, but it's paid off. So we're publishing five or six original pieces of content a week, and we've spun out physical events off of the, the product craft brand. And the general point there is when you start with what's at stake for your audience, you earn the right to their attention. And that's sort of the premise we've put to use there is like thinking about how we can contribute something to the market we serve and having some patience and forbearance about how and when that bears fruit. That's great. What sparked that? Why did you do that to begin with? So I, I'm a writer, and I love great content. Yeah. And I took a left-hand turn in my career for a while before I came to Pendo, and I was a Gartner analyst, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've always been passionate about is content marketing. And as a marketer, as a CMO, and as a Gartner analyst, I spent a lot of time thinking about that and, and sort of dreaming up like what was going to be the stack and the, and the motion that I would put to use when I went back to the operating side someday, because mm. I knew I would eventually. So I'd thought about it for a long time, and it was, this was the platform to do it, and it's been super fun.
1: I like to think, and I'm biased, but I like to think content is like the gas to all those things. 100%. Right? 100%. Otherwise, it's just mechanics.
0: Totally. Yeah, all the targeting in the world is for naught if you don't have something interesting to say.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Thanks
1: man. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners, and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.